0: Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. My name is Mike Flynn, and I am honored to be your host. Our mission here on the Impact Entrepreneur Show is not just to inspire you, but also to help you tap into and begin to believe in your God-given potential and purpose. That's right, baby. We want you to not only be inspired, but experience breakthrough. And we do that on this podcast by interviewing incredible people who are using their experiences, their skill set, their platforms to have a game changing impact in the lives of others. And here's the thing. None of these folks are simply sitting back, living a life of leisure. They have things to do, places to go and lives to impact. Speaking of that. today is the day. It is a day that I have been looking forward to with great anticipation and excitement and anxiety and all of the emotions that you might imagine. And I am so excited for you, my friends, to experience the story in my first book, Master the Key, a story to free your potential, find meaning, and live life on purpose. It has been said that Successful people make a habit of doing the things unsuccessful people won't do. And my interpretation of that is not about money or financial outcomes or anything of of that nature. I'm talking about lifelong, sustained excellence in every area of your life. And to me, when I hear that quote that successful people make a habit, of doing the things that unsuccessful people won't do, what that means to me is it means doing the deep internal work of analyzing your story and the narrative that you've held onto for your life that is that you have either allowed to direct you or you have directed, which then sheds light on your gifts and your abilities and your, how you show up in the world, which then influences what you do in the world which finally influences who you do it with. And those are the four fundamental questions that my book addresses. Who am I? How do I show up in the world? What do I do when I get there? And who do I do it with? And I have no doubt that this book is going to be a roadmap back to mastering the identity, mastering who you were created to be. And it's been said by a phenomenal woman named St. Catherine of Siena, that when you become who you were created to be, you will set the world ablaze. And I have no doubt that each and every one of us has great potential waiting to be freed upon the world and given to the world so that we can have a game-changing impact in the lives of, our, of each other and in our own life. So without further ado, I give you, the recorded version of the first chapter of my book where I introduce you to Steve, the main character who you will go on a journey with to master the key to free your potential, find meaning, and live a life on purpose. Thank you so much for your support, for your encouragement. Today is a huge day. Please go buy the book. Please go review the book. It's a wonderful gift to share with others. And for this week, April 29th through May 3rd, both the physical copy and the digital copy will be discounted. The physical copy will be available for $12.99. And the the ebook will be available for $1.99. And then on May 3rd, they go back up to their normal price of $14.99 and $6.99. So get it right now. Get gifts. Give it to people who you love, who you know need to be rejuvenated with an inspiring message that reminds them of who they are and what they're capable of becoming. To say Steve was the envy of nearly every advisor at Outlier Capital would be an understatement. He appeared to have everything, He was fit, his wife was gorgeous, and his children beautiful. He could instantly become friends with anyone, and the list goes on. He may have been young, but by all accounts, he was the most successful advisor at Outlier Capital Management. And, much to the chagrin of his colleagues, he hadn't even been in the business for too long. Two years earlier, Steve was working at a public relations firm in the city. He might have been extraordinarily successful there... But he felt the call to do something more than help people decide which brand of ice cream to buy. He wanted to be someplace where he could have a tangible impact on the lives of others. Suffice it to say, many at Outlier wished he had stayed where he was. It wasn't that he was a bad guy. It was quite the opposite. He was too nice. He showed appreciation toward everyone and sought to leave everyone whom he encountered better off than before. He had this drive, this mission that people latched on But to his colleagues, it was just annoying. What's more, it was 2004 and business came easy for practically everyone, but especially for Steve. Fortunately for everyone at Outlier, Steve was still human. He worked hard and he learned to play harder. Over the years, his mission became less about impact and more about making easy money. He had descended from the stratosphere and rejoined the general population of hustlers focused on doing the minimum needed to close the next deal while reaping the greatest reward. But the good times didn't last very long. The Great Recession had kicked everyone in the stomach. By January of 2009, everyone was feeling beat down. It wasn't a fun place to be. The easy money had dried up, more than half of the firm had quit or been fired, and those who remained were focused on self-preservation. It had taken its toll on everyone, including Steve. He had blown up to 250 pounds, his marriage was on the rocks, he rarely spent any time with his kids, and he had not closed any new business in over a year. It was as if life had him against the ropes and was pummeling him body shot after body shot, and Steve was ready to toss in the towel. He left the office at 6 p.m., which was early for him, and headed home to have dinner. When he walked in, his wife Lucy and his daughters, Tina and Elle, looked up with surprise. It had been months since he had joined them for dinner. They sat there, stunned. No one got up to make him a plate or even make room at the table. So Steve took care of himself and squeezed in between his two girls. Everyone started eating again in an awkward silence. How was work, Daddy? asked Tina, his five-year-old daughter. Well, said Steve, I pretty much spent the day like every other day, preventing people from jumping off a cliff. Jumping off a cliff, giggled Tina, that sounds scary. The truth of her response caught Steve off guard and he began to laugh hysterically. Poor Tina didn't realize what was going on and thought her dad was laughing at her and began to cry. Soon after, Elle joined in. Oddly enough, this only made Steve more hysterical. Finally, Lucy had enough. Slamming her hands on the table, she yelled, "'Stop!' "'I can't even remember the last time you were home for dinner,' she continued. "'And this is what you do?' Steve just sat quietly, stared down at his plate, and shuffled his food side to side. "'Why on earth did you come home?' "'Honestly,' Steve said as he pushed his chair away from the table." It's a good question. He got up, kissed Tina and Elle goodbye, grabbed his keys, and walked out. Steve and his family lived 20 minutes outside the city, so he was glad to hit the highway, turn on some music, and blow off some steam. He turned on the radio, and a familiar song came pumping through the speakers. It was the chorus to We Are the Champions by Queen. But Steve felt like anything but a champion. He felt like a jack-of-all-trades and a master of none, and he didn't really feel dedicated to anything. And worse, he couldn't do anything about it. Steve felt trapped. He turned off the radio and stepped on the gas to hear the roar of the engine. He was lost in thought when he heard the electronic beep and realized he was pulling back into the Outlier Building's parking garage. This episode is brought to you by the Lawton Marketing Group Connect with them now for a complimentary, competitive analysis of your website. Just tell them the Impact Entrepreneur told you to call. I guess I'll go back to work, Steve said. I've got nothing better to do. Besides, I can have some bourbon and relax. Steve made his way to Outlier's office on the 40th floor. As he got off the elevator, he gave a nod to the janitor who was vacuuming the lobby. At least I don't have it as bad as that guy, Steve thought to himself as he made his way to his prized corner office. There wasn't really anything special about Steve's office except for the fact that it fed his ego. It was in the corner and offered a nice view of the skyline, but beyond that, it was decorated much like any other successful advisor's office. The wall behind Steve's desk was adorned with awards, and instead of books, his shelves held trophies celebrating his personal achievements. It was almost like an altar. In fact, Lucy had always joked that his office was a shrine to St. Steve of Outlier. Another wall had some stock photography with motivational quotes, and the wall directly in front of his desk held some beautiful photographs of his family. Below them was a liquor cabinet. He couldn't wait to sip on a nice, neatly poured glass of bourbon. It's a two-finger kind of night, Steve said to himself. He started to reach for the bottle when his phone rang. Who the heck is calling me at this hour? Steve considered ignoring it, but against his better judgment, picked up the phone. Thanks for calling Outlier Capital. This is Steve. How may I help you? Um, Steve, it's Gerald. Gerald was Steve's largest client. Steve had benefited greatly from Gerald's business, and for that matter, so had Outlier Capital. But what really set Gerald apart was the fact that Steve considered him a friend and mentor. In the early days of their professional relationship, they spent many hours talking about purpose and mission. But over the last year, the relationship had become strained. Uh, I, I wasn't expecting you to pick up, Gerald continued. Why are you at the office anyway? You should be home with Lucy and the kids. Oh, hey, Gerald. Yeah, uh, I finished dinner with the family and decided to come back to the office to work on a couple of projects. In fact, I was looking over your account, Steve lied while tucking the phone into his neck and logging into his computer. Steve stole a quick glance at the bottle of bourbon and decided he should wait to pour himself a glass. I was planning on leaving you a voicemail, but that's actually what I wanted to talk to you about. There was something different in the tone of Gerald's voice. A lump formed in Steve's throat. He realized this call was probably not going to end up working in his favor. Great. What are your questions? Steve asked, faking confidence. By the way, you can always call my cell. You're more likely to get a hold of me. Well, I guess there's no easy way to do this, Gerald started. But Norma and I have decided to make some changes to our investment strategy. Okay, said Steve. Let's set up a time to meet and review the changes you would like to make. That won't be necessary, continued Gerald. We've already met with another advisor, and they've sent in the paperwork. Wait, what? Steve stammered. Another advisor here at Outlier? No, said Gerald, and I'd rather not say. Well, how much are you talking about moving? (sighs) Gerald sighed and said, all of it. Steve collapsed in his chair, and now the lump in his throat had grown so big, it felt like his entire stomach was trying to crawl out through his mouth. And you were planning on delivering this news via my voicemail, Steve demanded. I would have expected more from you. Don't get defensive, Steve. I was going to ask you to give me a call in the morning. I have your cell phone, but given the hour, I didn't want to bug you at home. And if it makes any difference, we're not investing in the market. Steve was speechless. Thanks for the update, Gerald. But no, it doesn't make any difference. I'm having a difficult time processing the fact that you and Norma made these changes without consulting me. I just don't understand. But my office will do our best to help facilitate the transfer in a timely and orderly fashion. Will there be anything else? We are worried about you, Steve, said Gerald. You're in terrible shape. Your emotions are getting ahead of you. It's one of the reasons why we're moving. Consider talking to someone, will you? It might be helpful. Well, Gerald, said Steve sarcastically, I'll take that under advisement. Please give my best to Norma. Good night. Steve waited until he heard the dial tone and then slammed his phone down on his desk. With both hands pressed firmly into his desk, he tried to make sense of what happened. Am I doing anything right? Steve asked an empty room. At his wits end, Steve stormed across the room, grabbed the bottle of bourbon off the table, poured himself a full glass and chugged it. Generally speaking, this was the type of bourbon that one would sip relaxingly. But Steve decided it was no longer a two-finger kind of a night. He instead decided it had become a get-drunk-and-sleep-at-the-office night. He finished half of his second glass while staring out his office window. He continued pondering all that had happened in the past couple of years. He saw his reflection and didn't recognize the man staring back at him. And then it hit him like a ton of bricks. His marriage his mission, his health, his relationship with God and his kids, even his relationship with his clients. He had allowed all of it to fall into disarray. He was tired, stressed, and now he was pissed. Pissed at himself, at his wife, and his clients. He was really pissed at the world. It felt like everyone and everything had turned against him. Steve gripped his glass harder. Without even thinking, he turned around and threw the glass at the wall as hard as he could. The sound of splintering glass snapped him out of his rage. He realized he had thrown his glass into what used to be his most prized possession, a beautifully framed picture of his family. Not one of those cheesy posed ones where everyone is wearing matching outfits, but a goofy photo that clearly demonstrated their true personalities and the love they all shared. Steve walked over to the picture that was now on the ground and just stared at the mess he had made. As he knelt down to pick up the pieces, that lump in his throat re-emerged. This time, it continued to grow, and within a few seconds, it felt like a Mack truck had hit him in the chest. His vision blurred, his ears started ringing, and his head throbbed with pain. Steve didn't know what was happening, but he knew that something was terribly wrong. He needed help. But the only person he saw in the office was the janitor. Is he even still here, he wondered. Steve began to think about Lucy and the girls. He tried to gather as much strength as possible as he stumbled out of his office toward the lobby. He was sorry he had been absent so much in the past couple of years, and regrets flooded his brain. How many experiences did I miss? Will they be okay without me? Will the girls even remember me? I can't believe I made them cry. I hope they forgive me. But before he could make it out of his door or yell for help, Steve collapsed and everything went black. Thank you for listening. If you missed any of the key points and highlights from my conversation, we've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash podcast for show notes to each and every episode. And while you are there, check out Flynn Wealth Strategies and Insurance Solutions. You can do that by visiting flynnwealthstrategies.com the Lot Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them and with all of their support. Now, until next time, go make an impact.